You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Recording in progress. Recording in progress. Recording in progress. Um, continue. Right, let's continue. So, Beth Level's here. Hey. Whoa. Let's just come out. Let's just right out of the gate. Dan, we don't. Whoa. She's here. She's here. Whoa. Thank you. Can you believe it? We I yeah. don't know, I don't know how much we can talk about the Devil Wears Prada, but but we will. I hope. Oh, we will. Oh, we we definitely. But will. But the only thing that matters is that you were in the cast of Bandstand. Totally. <laughs> I loved that show. Wow. I loved I loved that show, and I love that we're all still connected for the rest of our lives. We we really are. We really are. Yeah. And um, so I'm so happy that you're here. You 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 got nominated for a couple Tonys. You won one. I mean, Whatever. it's like whatever. Yeah, see it sitting back there. I, I've been doing a lot of coaching and a masterclass. Ah, so look at it. Really, I know people kind of want to talk to me, but they really just want me to go get the Tony Award and spin it. So I leave it. <laughs> so, there she is, in case you just need a little like, oh, there she is sitting over there. That's judging. brilliant. There was somebody I heard that left their Tony Award in the bathroom, like on a shelf in the bathroom, so that every time anybody came over to visit, they had to look, <laughs> they had to look at it because they inevitably had to use the bathroom. I've heard that too. Yeah, it's, it's quite a conversation piece. You know, if you're going to go to the bathroom, it's like, is that a, is that what it? Oh, it is. Yes. Spin, spin, spin. It's like opening up someone's medicine cabinet. You just can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to pick it up and you're going to spin it because you can. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, amazing. So Tony nominee, Tony winner, bandstand alum. Uh, she's, she's here. here. We're so happy you're here. We've wanted to do this for a long time. Um, and yeah. I'm so grateful that we that we finally got you, that we snagged you. Um, it sounds like you've been very busy. So congratulations from Thank all you. of us who are still in our pajamas. Well, no, I'm in my pajamas <laughs> from the waist down. <laughs> right, right. Right, no, I'm not kidding. Yeah. I'm really, I'm totally. <laughs> <laughs> it's she like, just, how are we? She I know just I showed us. Legs out. How are we ever going to go put pants on again? So we may not have to, but yeah, you know, no, it wasn't busy for a while. (laughs) Trust me in this, but it's starting to, you know, the Devil Wears Prada has done a couple of mini safe workshops and a couple of this starting feels like we were just talking about this feels like a little bit of it's starting to come back. And yet it's now it's like, oh, please, everyone be careful so we can fully come back because we've all been out of work for 18 months, essentially. Let's not do a false start. Let's not do a false start. Let's just get safely go back. Let's get back into this. I've missed you all and theater and everything. So an actor is saying his lines and then out of nowhere, he just starts singing. Five, six, seven, eight. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Taylor Iman Jones is a friend of the podcast. We we love her. She was on the show, and sure. uh, she and Dan worked together, and and so we got to talk about it a little bit. But you guys posted a picture of of the two of you, or somebody posted a picture of the two of you in this. Somebody did, yeah, it wasn't because you know 
Neema doesn't post. I hardly know how. So, <laughs> so I'm always thrilled to go, really? Where can I, Where? let me get my Polaroid out and uh, my, my Kodak. <laughs> well, that's like, it's funny because that's back now. Like now you see people post, like the, the Polaroid oh, yeah. is back. So it's just like, just. It's the picture of the Polaroid. Right. right. Well, then you're, you're welcome. <laughs> Anyway, I, I, I've heard, about, I'm sorry, my earrings are driving me crazy. I've heard about that, that, I think it was Kevin Morrow that posted, maybe posted that picture who did bandstand with us. So yeah. I'm going to have to go. Mm. Yeah, she's mm. going to be my my Andy. Oh my and, gosh. How's that uh, been going? How did that come about? What's what's the latest? What can you tell us? Um, well, the, you asked me like three different questions. One, one was at how time. did it yep. come out? <laughs> so that's one. Would you like me to answer that? Which is pretty yes. interesting. I, I would I would and just like just please <laughs> this is this is great. not Dan and I we suck m- at most things and a- ask, asking questions hey, I hey, okay speak for your we, stop it stop it stop it how did um, it come about from you for you one question it, at a time Joe all right um <laughs> <laughs> I was doing a show called the prom heard of it and heard of it heard of uh, it close too soon but that's another story um Sure is. The director of Devil Wears Prada is this fabulous woman named Anna Shapiro, who is the artistic director mm-hmm. of Steppenwolf. And when she found out she got this job as the director of Devil Wears Prada, she is mostly a play gal. So this is like her first big m- musical. And it's, Musical-el. it's a big one. Mm. So she decided to come down to the city and see every Broadway musical that was running. Wow. Just, you know, just to do it, just to do research and just... I don't know, to be an audience member. And our lyricist, Shana Taub, said, oh, really, she'd already seen prom. She said, I really want you to go see the prom. And Anna said, "Mm, I don't think so. Mm. (laughs) She said it sounded like high school musical. Uh And she was like, it's it's really not. So I think with an eye roll went up fine and came and saw the prom. And apparently halfway through it said something like, I found her. Oh, <laughs> I was like, cool. oh, and the next day, wow. the, or the next day, you know, what are days in COVID? We don't remember. Yep. Sometime after that, um, she set up a meeting and just for us to meet. And we ended up talking for almost an hour and a half, two hours. And then I went and watched some of the choreography rehearsal. And then they offered me the job and then COVID hit. Uh. So everything's kind of uh, as as all of us in the arts it is slowed down or stopped but as right. of last we did a very a two week little wor- workshop in New York of Devil Wears Prada safely where we all you know did the drill you had to be tested blah 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 blah, blah. And we sat around and we actually read the script out loud in the room together because the script of course has done many many different uh metamorphoses since it started uh, the first time we did it was on Zoom during COVID, which was so much fun to read a cold, read a cold reading on Zoom. Well, you, you don't know, <laughs> it, you know, it takes a while to get used to this Brady Bunch format. And yeah, just, yeah, yeah, right. You know, as an actor, I was so trying to listen and respond. And he was like, I don't even know who I'm looking at. So, <laughs> right. so we did the two week uh, July uh, workshop. And then last week for two weeks, I was only there for one. They did a choreography workshop with our choreographer, James Alsop. And then in November, we have a big boy workshop. And then in the spring, we go to Chicago. This is today. In the spring, we go to Chicago. And then hopefully into New York, ASAP. I have to tell you, it's really good. So it's really, it's surprised me 
you know, sometimes movies don't translate. They don't, they're difficult to musicalize. Yeah. Or the movie is so iconic that it's like, why bother? Just let the movie be by itself. But this is different. This is the musical of The Devil Wears Prada of, and staying very truthful to Lauren Weinberger's novel. And of course the movie, I mean, the movie was brilliant. So that's the scoop on that. Oh my gosh. Well, we can't and wait. of course, Elton John wrote the music Who? with new <laughs> Elton John wrote the music with newcomer Shana Top. Right. And I didn't I missed the joke. Sorry. You were faster than me. Yeah, that's she totally just thing. threw a joke right, right over it, my it head. And I was like, dad, 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 <laughs> too fast dad. for me. <laughs> you said Elton John. I meant, uh, El- Elton, Elton I'm John. really, really hoping this kind of lifts his career because, you know, he's so close. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's he's almost there. Yeah. Really, the music is amazing. maybe he could quit the job at the diner and he maybe. can, you know, move on to, right, you know, right. we're so welcoming. Come on, let's Come go. On over. <laughs> wow. I mean, and this, I, that was actually, you, you hit, you hit on a question that I had was, I mean, you have, you've developed some, some really, uh, uh iconic movie titles into musicals. Sure. What is the, what is this process been like in that? And that, what is that like to sort of elevate a movie and and put it on stage? Because I I've never done that. It's yes, well, no, you didn't. Bandstand wasn't, but as in any original show, giving birth to a new book, even if it's based on a muse, based on a movie, is is uh, fascinating. Can be problematic. Can be the best thing ever, <laughs> depending <laughs> right. on sure. your writers and your creatives and the people with the best idea in the room and we just have a really, really, really smart team. But I think that's, is that the only one I've done that's based well, on a musical young? Well, Elf, Elf and, uh, Elf, yeah. you know, Mamma Mia coming into, I mean, you know, the, the, but those obviously you didn't, you know, you came I into those, I think, but. I think Mamma Mia, the movie was not first. I think the Broadway oh, musical. Oh yeah, duh, duh. Show this is first, what kind of, yeah. so Joe's really, really sharp, sharp today. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I, I love doing original stuff that you can put your own sure. DNA all over. And with a movie, yeah. you have sometimes an obligation because the DNAs are already big to figure out how to authentically personalize that my Miranda yeah. and still respect and love Meryl Streep's Miranda and the Meryl's and the uh, Miranda Priestley that's in the novel. Yeah, how do you yeah. go about differentiating that? It's obviously one of the most iconic roles in the history exactly. of the last 20 years of cinema. Have you, like, I know some actors will not watch the movie again, those kinds of things. Right. Are you doing anything to to make it your own? Do you have any anything yeah. that you're hey, going Dan, about? Hey, Dan, thanks a lot for that pressure, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know just, what? I did. If anyone can handle it, it's you. <laughs> I watched the movie um, way back. Uh, sure. when I realized I was going to be doing the part. And then that was enough. And like I was saying, and what was really reinforced this past workshop was this is the musical version of The Devil Wears Prada, which has a different right. tone, a different energy, a different arc, a different perspective. There's just women behind the table. Hell yeah. yeah Record, right. choreographer. The, it's like, it's so the perspective is contemporary. Definitely. And Miranda sings. Yeah. Which is the name which is the name of my autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> How to take the most iconic role ever in a movie and try to make it your own without well, yeah. too much Exactly. Way to go, Dan. It feels good. It feels like it feels like ours. It feels like something that belongs on Broadway and we're thankful to the movie and we're thankful to the novel, but this is going to be our musical. 
it's very exciting. That's very it's cool. Really I'm so interested to see like what Miranda sings about. Because I know, in, I, I, I know you can't tell me that. Like that's one of the things that I'm so <laughs> excited to 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 see, I think, the most of. Because when you see that movie, you're like, oh yeah, like this sings. Like you can almost watch but then it's like I don't know. I'm so I don't know. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so it's probably one of the the thing the titles floating around that I'm the most excited about. And also just that it's you. Like it's you Right. Thank I, you. I'm I'm crazy about you and your work and just it was like when that casting announcement came out, I remember just like, yes, come on, there is there is this there is good in the world. A good thing yes. happen to good people. You, you know yeah, I mean? another worker bee, another worker bee scores a a leading role. Yeah. You know, I figured yeah. it would go to a TV or a a film star. But yeah. Right. It didn't. Hell yeah. Not, Not this time. time. Not one, today. one for the yeah. theater people. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so cool. That's so cool. Oh, um, well, I want to. I want to. You know, we'll take. We have a bunch of stuff we want to ask you, but but I want to nerd out a little bit about our time together because I because again, one of these these yeah. Let's let, talk. Let's about talk Joe. about. Let's talk about bandstand <laughs> for a second because I. It's just another one of these like gone too soon sort exactly. of moments what 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 is your what do you remember from the process what do you take away like what do you remember and sort of love most about that show there there's a lot i remember about it and, and let me just say this even after the prom there were so many people at the stage door were talking so much about the prom but they were also talking about how much they love bandstand yeah. which i thought when you can have the privilege of being in a musical that changes lives that way and represents people that haven't been seen before is it really is special and so that I do remember that about bandstand I remember becoming much more educated about the uh the journey of our vets yeah um, mm -hmm. I loved that this is random that my dressing room was a green room yeah I had the floor and there's it's a very small theater the Jacobs and there was no place for anyone to hang out and my character wasn't on stage very much. So it gave me so much joy to leave like pretzels and candy and to force people to actually come into the dressing room. And I, it was like a green room. So I was entertained all the time and got to know like in scene two and act two, Kevin would come in and we would talk and then Morgan would come in and then you guys would come in, but you guys in the band were always on stage. Um, but it was pretty cool. I remember that. I remember feeling like everybody's mother on stage and off. And oh that gosh. gave me a lot of joy. Yeah. And it was like the, the, the backstage traffic was just, oh as, was gosh. more fun. I mean, that happens so often in shows. Like, I think it gets taken for granted, especially because people, you know, when you're doing a long running show, like what happens backstage gets set as much as what happens on stage. And that is yeah. even right. to the point where like the person that you run into during, you know, backstage on a change or something, you're, that's part of your show. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I always think that the choreography sometimes is as interesting offstage as it is on stage. And the geometry to have the set pieces and the actors and dancers not get injured at the Jacobs Theater for Bandstand was really fascinating. Yeah. I remember stepping over moving things, but we just learned how to do it. And thank God no one ever got hurt. It's fascinating. No, totally. And there was like seven, at, at one point I remember in act one, I think before the, the sort of ghost, one of the ghost moments, there's like 15 people in your dressing room. It's not a big dressing room. It was a time. It was a small thing. But before we all went out there, it was like, it was like, now there's 75 people in this room and we're all eating chips. 
and yeah. you know, Beth, do you want your dressing room back? Because now you can't, you're not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> nope. It, you know, another memory about that, which I'm sure you'll agree with me. It was the first time I had worked with Andy Blankenbuehler. Yeah. Mm. And I think the man's a genius. So yeah. just to be in that oxygen and watch him create, watch him give birth to those who that some of the things he did, I was really glad to be in his energy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And one of my favorite things about it, I still, and I, I, this is one of these, the great things about our having a little podcast, because we get to talk about what things the way that we wouldn't, you know, if we were having a beer or something, and we talk about this a lot, but like, I wanted to, the song that you got to sing in act two, hmm. it was all about how things happen, you know, things happen for a reason. Actually, no, they don't. Things right. just happen to people. Right. I can't help but think about that song a lot these right? days. It kind of resonates differently. It's, yeah. uh, it's interesting too. I've been uh, just jumping off that point. I've been doing, starting to do my concerts again and just the lens of your lyrics have changed. Like that yeah. number. Things having experienced this 18 months, just things feel different. Just mm-hmm. our lenses have focused a little differently. And that song really resonates differently right now. Everything happens. That's everything's happens. It's, you know, it's just happens. Yeah. It's not divine or anything. It's interesting. But yeah. yeah. No, totally. I, I've been thinking about it a lot. And um, is it something, your concerts, we, we tried to get you on the show a couple of weeks back and, it, and there was 54 Below stuff happening. Right? So the concerts are coming back. Are you able to do, are you do, yeah. you're doing more of these now? I am doing more of these. I do my 54 below again in uh, September and I go to P town in two weeks and I go to Massachusetts and I go to Napa and I go to Indianapolis and I go to St. Louis. That's of today, you know, as of today, things are still safe and working. That's great. Yeah. It's very, I feel very, very safe. Everyone seems to be vaccinated and taken care of. And it's just so weird. The first night at 54 below, standing there and singing in front of people <laughs> besides my cat and Adam Heller. <laughs> like that muscle had kind of gone dormant and Zoom, you know, singing on Zoom is like really different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah because I don't have pants on. And then I had like, you know, like full dress and stuff. It was, it's, um, it was nice to get my artistic heartbeat jump started again. Totally. Totally. What's the what's this show about? Are you is it one show that you're taking around to all these venues? Kind of, yeah. It's uh, it's called "It's Not About Me," and of course, it's just all about me. Um, <laughs> that was the name of the song I had in prom. So it's just kind of storytelling and connecting some of the songs and storytelling and nice. some. It's very organic. You know, the set list is pretty the same, but it's a lot of audience interaction and a lot of audience questions and suggestions, and it. So each show becomes its own kind of singular thing. My musical director and I are thinking, this is big news, are thinking about uh, producing an album. And it's so interesting to sit in the room and ask people who are there to hear you sing what they would like to hear you sing. It's fascinating. And sometimes we know it and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we fake it and sometimes we actually sing it out of the blue. <laughs> oh my God. So it's really fun. That's it's awesome. very organic and silly sometimes or they'll go can you sing memories it'll be like no anyway so (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh i can't i can't i can't can't. (laughs) it's like no i i would i i bleed 
and leave body organs on the floor. Oh my God. That sounds so fun. So it's like set, but it's also sort of just like a moving like karaoke show, but also like, you know, yeah. through your life and career. Ish. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's like the cabaret of, of a different era. You know, that, that was like a different, there was a time when that was a thing that people did. And you're one of the few people I'm sure in the industry who would be comfortable doing something <laughs> like that. I would love that, to see that. That or I'm an idiot. One or the other. <laughs> no, it's no. Entertaining. You're it's a like, genius. It's just new. So like I said, each show is just a little different and the, you know, right. I just try to keep it open and fun and, and then, it, in, you know, sing some sad songs at the end. <laughs> right, right, right. The section of ballads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keep people and laughing. Answer, now, answer questions about bandstand and prom and stuff like that. People want to know. So we've got your list of of things here, and my introduction to you: list of things, meaning list of all of the shows you've done, which is a lot of them, all the way back to 1985. Is that that's your first? Was was Forty uh, Second mm-hmm. Street? I did the first and, national tour of that for eight months. And then the role opened up in New York. And that was my Broadway debut. It was 85. That's right. Because I was out on 80, 1984. I was just 13. <laughs> and we have this, we have the same agent. And he told me in the backseat of uh, a cab on the way to something we were going to that you were one of his first clients um, in the business. Yeah. And that he's loved to watch your success all the way through because he's tracked you. I'm just curious, like, does the industry feel different now? This is kind of a rhetorical question because the answer is probably yes. Of but h- how different is it now than it was when you started out? Well, and how have you navigated that? Let me go back to Mark for a second. Um, Mark was, and this is for all you young Mark Redanti, yeah. just for all of you young actors out there, I have been with. Let's put it this way. Mark Rodante is the man I have been with in a relationship longer than any other person in my life. <laughs> and he saw me do this off-Broadway thing, which I thought he saw. Anyway, we had an argument during 54 Below because it's like, no, he saw me while I was doing this off-Broadway thing. It's like, no, I saw you at ELT, which was Equity Library Theater. It's like, really? Mm. My mem- memories. <laughs> but he was the <laughs> assistant at a very small agency. And there was some connection we had. So I signed with him at that agency. And then he got this other job at uh, Bauman Hiller. And then it became Mm. something else. And now it's BRS, which is Bauman, Redante and Shaw. So he now owns the agency. (laughs) So I've been with him like 35 years. So I, my perspective of that, I have, has not changed for me at all because I've been with this Mm. man and this company, BRS, and now BRS Gage, for a long time. The industry, I'm sure, has changed ginormously. I'm, I remember when I didn't have an agent running out every Thursday morning because there was no intraweb, and I would go to the kiosk on 45th and 8th in front of Smilers, and I would buy a backstage. And oh I decided God. I should learn how to drink coffee because I was in New York, and I would take the coffee from Smilers and I would go through that page like biblically and circle everything that I was gonna audition for that week. And I would just go, I went, I auditioned for puppet theater. (laughs) I auditioned to be like a mime. And it was so, it was so joyous because I was in a place where I was, the possibilities were endless and I just needed to leap and just see what happened. But I'm sure it's, I'm sure the business is so different now. It's, you know, Broadway, 
it's very, it's show business. And I remember maybe Hmm. it's more commercial now than it used to be. It needs to be more profitable now than it used to be. Um, Hmm. I don't know, like, what's it like auditioning now? Do you still, like, I remember getting up at six o'clock and waiting in line outside of equity uh, for my chance to sing 16 bars. Yeah. I mean, I did that in 2013 and some of 2014. And when I, when I first graduated, yeah, just when casting directors didn't know who I was right. and I wanted to get seen for things. And I know that people still do that. I wonder what that's going to be um, like now in this sort of, you know, as COVID it, we're, we're still in the middle of it, but like somebody asked me the other day, like, what is the open call situation going to be like? That's one of the great sort of like democratic equalizers of our business. Where like, you can wait in line. If you get up at five in the morning and go wait outside of the equity building, you can be seen. You can, you can audition for Phantom, yeah. like go for it. Like, you know, go sing right, your song. Right. Yeah, and like, I, I think that's kind of a TBD, don't yeah, you? Yeah. Because it's great. It's one of those things that, like, you know, you can't do on TV and film. Like, you can't get seen for everything. But, like, on on stage, like, you can get seen. So I hope it doesn't go away. Maybe it changes, but, you know. This is one of the biggest changes in the industry right here. Yeah. Yeah. Everything can can be done via your computer or your phone or your laptop. Back in the old days, we had to put on the pantyhose and walk to the men's coffin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and audition now you don't have to put any pants on at all right. and you walk into your office lay it down <laughs> oh my That's gosh um so right before then so you're so you're before you're standing on 45th and 8th getting mm-hmm. backstage what because you didn't grow up in new york no when did when did you what pulled you here was it always musicals always musical comedy broadway like was there like what was that journey like you know, I'm I'm so um, untraditional in my trajectory. Not that there's any normal trajectory for anyone, but yeah. a lot of people started a lot younger. I didn't know what musical comedies were until my senior year in high school. And mm. um, my best friend asked me to audition for the spring musical, which was Brigadoon. I was like, why not? <laughs> and I just, you know, back then, the musicals in big high schools, you rehearse like in a band room <laughs> for months. And then you actually did like three shows. Yeah. But I remember that my first day in that band room thinking, where have these people been all of my life and how right, can right. I stay here? But in North Carolina, my parents were, you know, get a normal job, have kids, theater. Right. So I went and I have a degree in social work counseling from a small oh, wow. college. Yeah, which is coming really, you know, social work counseling is kind of listening and responding, which what is what acting is all about. I had a minor in theater, but during that time, I had a a teacher who became my mentor who just pushed and pushed. And and I did everything I could get my hands on at, at North Carolina State, at my school, Meredith, at the community theater. Community theater changed my life at a black box theater here, just anything I could do just because I was so ill. I was, I was so ill-informed about myself as an artist or even who I was going to, what, what am I doing? But there was such a passion. There was, it started out as a huge curiosity, but then it transferred to just a passion. And I just had to figure out in the eighties, how I was going to deal with that. So I was too chicken to move to New York afterwards. Cause I'd been there once. I'm like, there is no way. It's, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> So I went and got an MFA, a Master of Fine Arts in acting and directing from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And in that two years, I was one ginormous sponge. And I just don't think I've ever been happier. 
You know, when you know mm-hmm. something, when you're, when you know you're in the right swimming pool, it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, right, this is right. my, this is my team. This oh, is yeah. who I am supposed to become. I don't know why. I don't know how there's none of it in my family. I didn't see a single musical growing up. It's like, where did that come from? I still to this day don't know. I, I really don't. And then I did an internship, um, for eight months where I answered the phone at the box office, third sword carrier from the left. I could do a cartwheel. So I was in a musical, but at the end of it, they gave me my equity card. Nice. So nice. I had my little equity card and I was on a bus from, believe it or not, Allentown, Pennsylvania. No. Allentown. Allentown. Oh my God. I'm offering you, what is the, what's the line? I just yeah. offered you the, the opportunity lifetime. of a lifetime and you can say Allentown. Allentown. Yeah. What was that word you just said? Allentown. I'm offering you a chance to star in the biggest musical Broadway's seen in 20 years, and you say Allentown? That's right. Way to go. Oh, Thank my you. God. That's a quote That's from 42nd quote Street. From yep. 42nd Street. Dan just pulled it out of his hat because guess what? He's a guy who likes, who yeah. likes musicals. A guy who likes the musicals. That's so funny. <laughs> so it's like you. So you walk into the band room. And you're in you're in the happy place. You get your MFA. You're in the happy place. I feel like we're all just sort of chasing that feeling, like walking right. back into rooms where you feel like right. you're in the right swimming pool. Yeah, and it's not doesn't happen that way all the time. But once you know, you're. And this sounds so trite. Once I knew my purpose, I knew this is what I was mm-hmm. supposed to do. I knew it wasn't going to be all like, oh, happy, happy all the time. It's not. It's very up and down. It's very mercurial in its uh, success rates and when you work and when you don't work. But nonetheless, she persisted. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. Alan. I can't believe he was from Alan. I know. Alan That's Alan. so funny. Just like this. Oh, my God. Anyway. Um, so. I'd love to do, we'd love to do a deep dive on one of the projects. Just any, one of the, I, I'd love to hear your, your, I mean, I guess the biggest one is probably prom, but if there's some, if there's a project that you've done, Drowsy, Drowsy Chaperone. Chaperone, I mean, we'd love to talk about just something that, you know, from beginning to end sort of that, that sticks out to you. Like, you know, if there was one of those shows, one of those projects that just like really, all of them do, but you know, yeah. the original ones, original ones really stick out. So choose sure. one, drowsy your prom. What do you think? Dan, coin flip. Uh, prom, I guess. Uh, I'm going to do drowsy. Okay, anyway, <laughs> uh, thanks Perfect. for your contribution. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> because prom was quote unquote easier because I didn't have to audition for it. It was written. Right. But if I was counting right. today back, I have been, we have been, the four of us, uh, me, Angie Brooks, and Chris, have been associated with prom for nine years. Wow. So, you know, our DNA is all over that puppy. But Rousey started out as an audition. Um, Mark got me the audition, and they actually sent me the script before I had to audition, because it's it's, it's like, what's the name of it? The drowsy, the what? The who? The the what? So I read it, and I remember reading it and laughing out loud which is hard when you're concentrating on an audition, but it was so flippin' funny. But the role I was auditioning for, Beatrice Stockwell, wasn't really what I like to call on the page. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Some, whoever they cast was going to have the responsibility of giving birth to something that no one really understood yet. No pressure. Sure. Totally. So 
there was no song yet to learn. So I went in and sang 100 Easy Ways to Lose a Man. Probably not the best choice, but I didn't know who she was. Right. And neither did the creatives. And I didn't know Bob Martin and all the Canadians. I didn't know them. I knew Casey Nicola because what? He was in the ensemble of Crazy For You With Me. See, this is the mm. stuff that's crazy about him. There's many people who are like, oh yeah, Casey Nicola, even Andy Blankenbuehler, who was like, you know, in the ensemble of, you, you know, yes. Saturday that's how Night they Fever. That's you're how like, they learn their stuff, exactly. man. Exactly. You're like, yeah, no, I was in that. That's crazy. So you were in the ensemble with- uh-huh. With That's Casey insane. and Rob Ashford was one of the replacements in the ensemble. Oh my God. Wow. There you go. That's crazy. So there you go. Um, now I totally forgot where I was. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So, you know, a bunch of people in the room. I didn't know. I sang my song, um, read the sides. I didn't, there was, the sides weren't funny. I didn't make them funny. I tried, but <laughs> again, like, who is she? I did. We had no, I had no idea. You're just kind of throwing things up against the wall. And it's like, is, is this going to stick? So I, I had a call back. I went back, did the same thing. I, I still don't think I was special enough. And about two weeks later, and this really never happens. Casey was kind enough to actually call me because we knew each other. And he said, ah, oh, thank you so much for coming in. You're not going to get the role. And I went, I know, no, I, I don't think it's, I don't think I'm right for the role. I don't think I'm the person that should give birth to it. And he was like, yeah. it's like, maybe you need someone older. It's like, yeah, because this was, you know, 17 years ago. So from what I hear, they went to Los Angeles, the whole creative team, and auditioned Eartha Kitt, uh, Louise, <laughs> what's, who is a, uh, played Ginger on Gilligan's Island. Help me, Tina Louise. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm going to start the generation. Do you remember, do you know who Joan Van Ark is? Knott's Landing? Google. Anyway, so that kind of ilk of yeah. fabulous TV divas. Totally. Apparently, I don't know what happened. Nothing worked out. They came back and kept auditioning. Uh, they offered the role to someone. Uh, the person, I think, from what I understand, thought the role wasn't big enough. Because uh, so at that point, it probably someone. wasn't. Like, I it, mean, no, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah there wasn't. No, it wasn't yeah. really. Right. So they, I think they offered it to someone else, and that didn't work out. And finally... I literally think Casey went, I get, just give it to Beth. Just, just, we have to go. And Mark calls me and he says, oh, hi, I have a job offer for you. And you, we love that. It was really a slow time before drowsy too. I'm like, yes, I'll take it. I don't care what it is. <laughs> and a job offer means you don't have to audition. It's like, I don't care. Where am I going? Utah? Let's go. Right. And he said, uh, you've been offered Beatrice Stockwell and the drowsy chaperone. And I wow. went, Mark, wow. no, I haven't. I said, you need to call them back. I think you made a mistake. So I hung up the phone and he calls me back and he said, yeah, and you, you leave in three weeks for a three month out of town tryout in, at the Amundsen Theater in Los Angeles. Oh, that's wow. a good one. Yeah. That's a good out Beautiful. of town. We love that. So pack my bag. It was like, children, <laughs> mom's going to LA. <laughs> <laughs> and I found who she was when I was there. So to win the Tony Award after knowing all that made it even more satisfying that what I gave to it and what the creatives, what we all discovered in giving birth to this fabulous character was pretty cool. That's so cool. That's unbelievable. <laughs> you love that. I love that. You, you hinted at something, though, uh, in the beginning of that story where you said it was, a, it was a hard time, it was a dry spell before you started. I think it's interesting when you look at somebody like a Beth Level not to speak about you in the third person, but you've been in 
like almost a dozen Broadway shows. It may be a dozen. It's 13, probably and 14. Thanks for doing your homework, Dan. Baker's anyway. <laughs> love that. Get it. And it's, you had, you know, you have these, these bouts where, where you go long periods of time between Broadway shows. And I think that it's hard to comprehend that. It's hard for me to comprehend that time. What do you do in between? How do you make sense of that? How did you, how did you go the five years between jobs and not give up? Um, there was always something I was doing, but it wasn't necessarily Broadway. And I, I, I sure. would love to, I should do this just out of curiosity to see how long it was from crazy for you to civil war to drowsy. Crazy for you is 92. And- Showboat was 94. Oh, look at you. What about Civil War? 99. Never mind. See? And, and drow- Drowsy's 2006. There was something before Drowsy. What was right before Drowsy? 42nd Street. I have here 42nd Street at the Ford oh, Center. Oh, but- the revival. Yeah. The revival. Well, that's one of the ways that, that I was a standby. I remember going to okay. audition and they said, you know, because I knew the show really, really well. And they went, well, you're too young for this and you're too old for that. Would you want to stand by? And it's like, absolutely. So it's the first time I ever stood by on the Broadway. And then Christine got another, Christine Ebersole got another uh, show and they offered me Dorothy Brock and I did it for about a year and a half. Mm. And then after that came something else. And then between that and that and that, I w- that's when it was not, it was kind of dry. So I was just traveling mm. everywhere. Um, right. which was a great way to be an actor, you know, learning. I met all sorts of new people. I went to Oklahoma. I went to, I just went, I went to the old globe. It's like, let's just sure. work. Let's just see what happens. Right. There's still, there can be dry spells. So hopefully you've saved up a couple of shekels. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you just, it's just, that's part of the gig. You know, I'm not going to yeah, let yeah. it, I'm not going to give up like, again. And again, she persisted. <laughs> Right. I remember asking one of the one of the really interesting things about being in, in the original company of 42nd Street, not the original cast, was the dames that had been around the block. And I would sit and just listen to B.B. Osterwald, who, Osterwald, who was, uh, you know, Carol Channing's understudy. And wow. all these fabulous women would come in. And one of the questions we would inevitably inevitably ask them was, what's the secret? And they would always say persistence. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Don't give up. Don't give up until it, until it no longer brings you joy. Yeah. Right. I think that's, that's the key. And a lot of people, we've heard that a lot. And this podcast ends up just being like church for Dan and I therapy, you know, to like actor therapy in this way to be like, to just be like, yeah, just hang in there. Hang in there. (laughs) You know, if I had, if I quit and drowsy hadn't, I mean, after drowsy happened, my people like, oh, is this your first show? And it's like, people, I've been doing this for, (laughs) come on, like 15, 17 years or something. Um, I always love that when it says in like casting breakdown, you know, or or headlines or whatever, it's like newcomer such and so, (laughs) you know, even, even like Dan, like no, not to, not to drag you earlier. You said newcomer Shana Taub, but it's like Shana Taub's been writing musicals for like, you know, 15 years. You know, and, yeah. and now she's right. now she's a household name because of, you know, because of Suffs and because of this, but it's like, because of Prada, but it's right. like, yo, people are putting yeah. in the work and then you win a Tony Award and your newcomer Beth Level, Tony Award winner for, for Drowsy Chaperone. You're like, no, man. No, man. It's been, it's this been is, this is number minute. six. Yeah. We've been around. Yeah. Thanks for 
Um, <laughs> I want to go back to that that process. So you're in the rehearsal room for Drowsy, and I got to see this, like, you, and you alluded to it, that, like, you know, June Adams in Bandstand was not around a lot, and she should have right. been... I mean, we could have written a whole musical about her and I, you know, it could have been, but like, I got to see that a little bit when you would, it just felt like you would throw things at the wall in the best way. They would, you'd be given, you'd be given a scene and you'd just be like, I, I'm going to walk out here with the deviled eggs and I'm going to stand here for as long as I possibly can. And everybody's going to erupt in laughter. And if that works, I'm going to do it. And if it doesn't, I'm not. And you would, it would just, it was like this, you had this air of just like, I'm going to try anything. And I wonder if, Mm. if that, is that fearlessness? Is that just your, is it in your DNA? Like, what is that? And especially for drowsy, which, which was, which is a, you know, has a lot of elements of farce and, and, you know, know, very, very Um, comedic. I, part of it is complete fearlessness when I feel Mm. safe. Yeah. Mm. You know, if I'm in a room with a creative creative team who gives me permission and encourages me to come in and throw everything up against the wall because they are really waiting to see, that's probably why I'm cast because I get mm. a lot of roles that no one knows what the heck they are. It's like, well, let Beth fumble around and <laughs> bomb it. She'll off. find it. She'll come up with something. She'll figure it out. Hopefully. But with Andy, I feel safe doing that. With Casey, I feel safe doing that. With Devil Wears Prada, I feel so safe doing that. I also trust the people behind the table to go, don't, that's, don't do that again. Mm-hmm. Like, great. Mm-hmm. But, uh, as, you know, as we always say, I'd rather you give too much than not enough. And yeah, then people right. cut back as opposed to trying to make you give more. Um, right. One of the things right. about Drowsy, too, was we spent from 10 to 12 every day in Los Angeles doing homework watching films so we could all understand the tone of the piece Mm. we could all figure out the tone of the piece so that really helped and i've told this story a thousand times sorry if y'all have heard it before but one of one of the aha moments for beatrice was when we were doing a a game called hot seat we were doing like improvs theater games i was like oh god Mm -hmm. no not theater games but it was so (laughs) helpful and we would come out and we had to write a bio, which mine was just complete bullshit. Sorry, because I didn't yep. really understand the person. So I'm like, kind of, maybe her parents were famous in the, you know, the British theaters. And I would just kind of make up stuff until something felt right, which was never. <laughs> until the, those games. And then I came out the last week of Hot Seat. You know, Hot Seat's when you sit there and the cast is on the other side of the table with the creators and they throw questions at you and you're in the hot seat and you have to answer as your character. Now, if you don't know who your character is, it's kind of interesting. And it's a great ah. way, great way to kind of- Makes you sweat. Makes you sweat. But it also sometimes solidifies something. Like this right. day when, for the first time ever, Casey went, ladies and gentlemen, Dame Beatrice Stockwell. And he never said Dame before. So that makes you, you know, as I'm walking to the chair, I'm going, eh, I'm a Dame. <laughs> <laughs> the cast and the creative stood up like I was Madonna. I was like, bravo. And I remember bowing and I went all the way down to the floor. And I went, there she is. Nice. It, was, it was like, there she is. I know where to start. We all knew where to start. This narcissistic. Right drowsy, fabulous, complicated, selfish, endearing character. And it's like, and let's go. And then I could write the bio. This, oh my God. Another thing too, Joe, you're talking about the, the deviled eggs and stuff. Once you've created that process in the rehearsal room, the next step is your scene partner, which is the audience. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And they completely informed the paprika. So, right. <laughs> exactly. It's like, this is funny. Well, yay. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. You never know. You never know until that scene partner gets there, what works and what doesn't work. That's so true. Oh my gosh. I love that. And you can never know unless you try. And that I think is, that's the best lesson yes. because it's not like you were standing in the wings being like, Hmm, what bit am I going to try today? It was yeah. like, Somebody said something as you were walking and then your natural impulse was to do something. And that was the answer. That was, and that's the hardest thing to do, but it's the best. I think it's, it's authentic. It's uh, truthful. Yeah. Particularly if it elicits the response that the director and you and the people that wrote the book and music want. Yeah. Or even if it doesn't, sometimes it's like, oh, well, let's keep that. Right. Right. A hundred percent. What has been the greatest challenge of your career? Uh, oh, really? That's so difficult. Um, I, I think <laughs> I think it comes in different phases depending on how old I have been. When I moved to New York, it was trying to accept my own singularity as I'm enough. And mm. living with that as opposed Amen. to feeling like you need to be more this or more that. You know, trying mm-hmm. to find your authentic voice. Yeah. Which we will continue to do our entire career. And then when things, when you're not working, how you keep your persistence positive and just that whole process. Then when you do win a Tony Award, it's like, how how, did I deserve this? (laughs) Each job Mm. that's next is like, oh, was that a fluke? Am I, 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 we still do the imposter questions. Don't you guys do that? It's like somebody's going to find out. Somebody's going to find out. I don't know what I'm doing. I I don't do it as well as she does. That's like that voice sometimes learning how to listen to it and then not give it any power and just do your work. Totally. Yeah. 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 There's always something, but yet, you know, I keep coming back to it. So obviously my passion for this uh, my persistence for this work is more important than those negative things floating around, but it's just a normal part of the process. And sometimes it's challenging, particularly when you're not getting work. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to work again. And lo and behold, your persistence proves you wrong. Go get your backstage and circle the puppet theater auditions. Start there. It's so good. It must be so hard to, to, to trust because you know, you're, you're such a, a unique and animated person and all of the, 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 all of that comes into your work and it's why you're so brilliant on stage. Oh. But if you start to doubt your own essence, how can you allow that? Like, how can you let that shine? So I can only imagine. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting with, you know, Anna, the director d- doesn't really know me. You know, she doesn't know that side sure. of me except what she saw from prom and to be playing Miranda. I am the quietest right. person in the room. Right. And chaos is all around me. So I'm really looking forward to finding my authenticity and singularity yeah. and essence and how that's going to work there. It's very exciting. Oh, that's so cool. Take all that chaos and put it inside. Correct. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Is there a book or a resource that you point to as something that's been invaluable for you in your life or your career? Oh, I wish I had a, a really great answer to that and a really smart answer. But I just learn in each show I'm in. I learn from the director. I learn from the musical director. I learn from my fellow actors. Um, 
you know, I've taken acting classes stuff and I don't have one resource. Sure. Just learn when I'm in the rehearsal room. And then when I'm on stage with my scene partner, the audience, they're kind of my best teacher. Oh, that's good. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, I, I mean, mean we, I, got, I got like a that's whole a shelf of self-help books, but none of them teaches me what I learned from the audience and you guys, my peers. Yeah. Yeah. That preview process that like oh, that's thro- throwing it out there and saying, what do y'all think? You had, Am you- I good? <laughs> you know, I remember, and Casey loves to tell this story, the first preview of Drowsy Chaperone. Nobody knew what it was. Again, I only do musicals with problematic titles, like Bandstand. <laughs> Is that Dick Clark? Remember how often we got that? The Prom. Yeah, yeah. Is that High School Musical? And the Drowsy Chaperone, which was ended up the droopy, you know, no one knew what it was. <laughs> so people, I think, were, couldn't wait to sit in the audience and just judge. And after the first preview, Casey said the curtain came down and it was like this. Holy shit. And people were like, which mm, was wow. palatable to us. It was just palatable. We could feel it. We could taste it. It's like, oh my gosh. And you know, when you have someone as smart as Casey is, just knew in that four week preview how to even shine it up more, clean it up more, make the arc of the story even more uh, focused. So mm-hmm. by the time we got to opening night, we knew we had just a great story to share. Oh, that's so cool. What's your favorite or sort of most influential musical in your life, in your career? It could be something you've done, but or something that just really inspired you um, as you were like coming I, up. Yeah, like I said, I didn't see anything, but I, a vivid, vivid, vivid memory for me. I think I was in sixth grade. And because there was no theater around in North Carolina when I, or no, no theater that my parents took me to, we mm-hmm. went to see movies occasionally and one that imprinted so deeply on me, we went to see Robert Preston in The Music Man. Mm. And I, you remember that first time feeling that you've kind of left your body and you're in the, on, in the screen or on the stage. And I remember at that moment thinking, I want to be in that band so bad. I want to go like this and have my costume yeah. change that, mm-hmm. Seeing that magic, you know, I didn't know what to do with that at the time. It was another six years or longer, 12 years until I figured out, oh, but it was still there. Mm. That experience and that magic of the musical and people singing to each other. Totally. And then you come to New York and, you know, I remember leaving my body in Girls, just going, how did they do that? Mm-hmm. Chorus line, thinking, oh, what's happening up there? I was yeah. so moved by these storytellers and their, you know, I didn't grow up as a dancer and there's stories that they, they shared so brilliantly. Oh, it just changed my life. Mm. That's still does. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember, this is a a question that I, this is, uh, I I wanted to, I've always wanted to ask you this and this is not a great question, but, but since you didn't come up like no, really knowing and, 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 you know, with, with musical theater, when did you know you were funny? Do you remember? Well, when- that's, that's different. And, you know, I, I do remember in fifth grade getting a lot of making up a story in, in my class and the teacher going, <laughs> I, had go, I had to go out in the hall. And I learned I could make people laugh pretty much at an early age. 
but I never associated that with like being on stage. My mother right. would just, well, that's just the way she is. <laughs> just ignore her. <laughs> North Carolina. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So I, I did this in sixth grade. We did a little historical, historical presentation. And I remember I had to put an egg, fake egg, down someone's shirt. And it got a huge laugh that I can still talk about it now. And I don't remember anything about it, but I just remember that laugh going, what's that feeling? Yeah, right. <laughs> what's <laughs> happening? I love it. And it was a way, you know, I was, it was a way to get attention. Hi, Dr. Freud. Yeah, right. Can you see me now? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, that's like, and that's, that, that's what I, you know, back to those moments. Those are always so fascinating to me. Like when, you know, you're a little kid and you're like, oh, this. And then when that matches up with your job, what? you know, what, what even is that? So did that happen in this community theater? Was it more like in college when the funny, when like your sort of ma manic six grade, six year old self ma yeah. matches up with work? Yes. Somewhere in college and community theater, it was like, oh my gosh, this, mm. and I, you know, I was rewarded for it. I won the best supporting actress at the community theater. Absolutely. Where's that and trophy I on your shelf? I mm, it's the size of a log, so I'm, I'm not sure if you're <laughs> but it's just, you know, things just started building, and, and I, again, I realized how much I had to learn, but then I did Dolly to get my MFA, it was like my thesis, and then there was kind of no turning back after that, it's like, just go, just go, leap, just go, 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 see what happens, as terrifying mm -hmm. as it is. That's hmm. so cool. That's so cool. Um, and we're getting to the end. We've taken up your, the, you know, massive chunk of your afternoon and we love yeah, you for it. I'm so busy today. Well, that, listen, we don't know. Yeah, no. <laughs> like you and then vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> um, so we always ask people, it's, um, the unreachable star question is what I call oh. it, which is kind of like, you know, you've accomplished so much in your life and in your career. Um, what are you pointed towards now? What would you like to, what would you like to accomplish? Is there anything that's on the horizon that you'd really love to yeah. love to do? Yeah. You know, I can't not say Miranda Priestley and the devil wears Prada. Mm. I can't, if you had told me three years ago that this was going to be my journey, I'd be like, what are you kidding? So that to me is hopefully a reachable, a obtainable star and journey and i'm Hell really yeah. forward in a i'm as, as terrified as i am joyous of uh, figuring out who this person is and then sharing her with my scene partners i love that i love that and that's like right around the corner i mean that's like right you know fingers crossed thank you light your candles yep you got it you got it <laughs> Put your mask on, get your shots, and then we'll Absolutely. see you in Chicago. <laughs> so yeah. we uh, we talked about the 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 show. We talked about the fifty four below shows. Your con your concerts are coming, like coming to a theater to a theater to a city near you. So so check. Out. Is there a place to find that? Is there like like bethlevel dot com? There's bethlevel dot net. I have Sean, ah. fabulous friend, did a whole uh, website for me because I I'm techno. I'm a Luddite when it comes to any of this. And so I go to my website to figure out what I'm doing. <laughs> it's like, when am I going? It's like, oh, bestlevel.net. Oh, oh, I got to go. 
So yes, that's it. Beth Hill's on that. She did a great job. It's fabulous. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we we love you. Thank you for spending the time. After you get nominated for your Tony for Miranda Priestley, you'll be back. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. Knock, knock yes, wood. Yes. Do the whole thing. Um, and I just, I, I guess it. it, one of the things like just to, to finish up that we do on this show that we don't get to do when in real life is just, you know, say what, you know, say what our guests mean to us and, and you mean so much to me and our time together on that show was, was too short, but amazing. And I learned so much from you and I'm just so grateful for your leadership and for your, your light and th- just thank you from the bottom of my heart. And thank you for talking to us today. And so lovely. That's so gracious. We'll see you in Chicago. <laughs> yes, please. Y'all be kind. Thank you for listening to Guys Who Like Musicals. We are now part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Woo! We are hosted by Dan Tracy. That's you. And Joe Carroll. That's me. We're produced by Ryan Kincaid, and Matthew Mucha is the social content manager. You can find us on Instagram at Guys Who Like Musicals, on Twitter at Musical Guys, or the old-fashioned way at www.guyswholikemusicals.com. If you'd like a chance to be featured on the Ask the Guys segment of our show, please call 203-900-7990 and leave a message with your question. As always, thanks for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.